Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, this is Joanna Oki, and you're listening to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have part two of our two-part series, all about acquisitions for medical, dental, and allied health practices. And on board to talk about this topic, we have Amy Asagul from practice partners. Now, Amy is a dynamo with an MBA specialing in finance, a diploma in practice management, and is now also herself an owner of her own medical group, iHealth. Amy provides services to medical centres, including strategic planning and business consulting, virtual practice management, site analysis and feasibility, and medical startup consulting. And in this two-part series, we're discussing due diligence on acquisitions in this health services sector, how to evaluate a practice, and building a business plan for maximising value after acquisition. Because of course, if you are looking at acquiring Hiring a medical, dental, or allied health practice. It's not just about today or the point of acquisition, it's also about the growth potential of that business into the future. Now, if you have missed our first part of this two-part series, make sure you go back and listen into that because we talk there a lot about feasibility studies, examples of the benefits of doing it at the right time, and some examples of some case studies where things have gone wrong when feasibility studies haven't been done at the right time. We also, in that first part of this two-part series, really looked at how to evaluate existing or current performance versus the growth potential of a business that you're looking to acquire. Here in part two, we're now talking about building a business plan around maximizing value after acquisition. We're talking about KPIs, not the usual meaning of KPIs uh, and what they can do for your business. We also talk about working with practices that have multiple sites. We look at the difference between greenfield investments versus acquisitions and we round it out with the answer to some often asked questions. So buckle in, here we go with part two of our two-part series, all about acquisitions for medical, dental and allied health practices. And so then if we're talking about, I guess, this next component, which is the business plan or building the plan around maximizing value after acquisition, how is it that you practically go about this with your clients? I mean, do you build a business plan for them? Do you do you tell them what they should expect in terms of, you know, the uplift in each of these different areas? Or what, what does it look like? How does that all work together? Absolutely. So I usually um, look at it as a new client base. I do the same thing as if I was to take on a healthcare client, so an existing medical centre that I'm taking on doing some coaching mentoring for or some virtual practice management for. And we'll actually look at those figures and say, can we get a P&L broken down monthly over the last two years? And let's put it into a financial forecast. And what we're going to do then is have a look at what we can forecast happening in the first 12 months of ownership, new ownership. And from that, we start to see trends. We start to see where we can make some quick wins. What's really expensive? What's a bit interesting? We should look in deeper. 
what are our doctors actually making out of the practice and how much are they utilised or utilising the MBS through that? We can see all of these bits of information through that financial forecast. Mm. That financial forecast, we start to then go, right, the strategy we're going to do is we're going to do a marketing strategy, so that's going to cost us this much. We can expect about this much uplift on that side and we can start to forecast the strategy financially into this. It's actually an Excel, which is all formulated behind the scene. Now, what they do with that is take that away with the narrative, which is the business plan, and we mark that out and say, this is our working document. Every month after open, after they've uh, taken over, they will actually mark out the budget to actuals every single month. So they can mm, start to wow. see, actually, I, I spent that. some money here and yeah, we did get an uplift there. Okay. So well, we spent some money here and we didn't get quite the uplift after. Why did that happen? So then we start to build out that narrative behind it and say, okay, let's change it or divert the strategy to a different area. You know, what's it going to, we're going to bring on another GP. We have to spend 15, 20 grand on a GP recruitment. What does that look like for our bottom line oh that hurts okay but what can we expect from that okay we can see an uplift here we've got the patient base we understand what we need we know when we need them in our roster because we've had a look at our appointment book you start to then plan each and every step and we can bring it back to a monetary base and say, well, now we know the work we're putting in, we're actually getting out. Love it. Absolutely love it. Brilliant. Okay. And Amy, earlier when we were talking, you mentioned technology and the importance of technology. Maybe can can you give us a bit of a, you know, an insight into what do you think some of the cutting edge technology is at the moment or what's working really well for practices? Yeah, absolutely. So one of my favorites at the moment is a program called KPIs. So KPIs like the eyes on your face, if I play on words. But it does actually pull out all your KPIs out of the practice. Now, the beauty of this is it it actually gives us the facts of what's happening for us to gain. Like I keep talking about that narrative and strategy that we need to move forward. Pulling out things so it actually logs into zero and actually comes into your PMS system as well. And it sits in between those. Okay. Mm. So it integrates between it, pulls out things like what is the utilization of your appointment book? What are your billing styles of your doctors and what are they billing um, lots of and not a lot of? What are the opportunities in your practice? It even goes to show you what item 23 should have been a 36 and what 36 there should have been a 44 based on time spent with the patient. Um, it pulls out information about where we've got gaps in the appointment book and where we could be putting another doctor in. It has a look at our demographics. So it actually pulls out quite a bit of information to allow your due diligence to come to life. So if you can have this program and use it as a due diligence, you keep it on because as you keep it on, you start to see the trends happen and you start to see things and you can relate that back. So that IT integration for, you know, a monthly cost, and it's I think it's associated with how many GPs you have on board, it is gives you such an insight into your practice. But, again, all of these systems, you can pull out all the data in the world, but it's what you do with the data. Oh, isn't that so true? That's exactly. And, and whether you're understanding the information that's coming out as well, because data is one thing, but then being able to extrapolate, well, what does this actually mean? And then, as you say, the next step, you know, so what are we going to do about it? <laughs> Are all of those things that like seem obvious on the face of it, but they're not. So data in and of itself can be, you know, incredibly powerful, but it's nothing and unless you, you know, there, there's some sort of proper analysis with obviously yeah. the insight of what what 
is this trend and what does that mean and then what do we do about it? Um, and so I'm so interested, I have to ask, what is the most interesting insight that you've ever seen out of this um, or, or maybe something that has been shocking to a practice owner that they just hadn't realised in the past? Absolutely. So, yeah, there's, there's a practice, um, you know, that I've been managing for a little while and it has it's fully utilised its rooms. Um, so all the rooms are utilised. They've got nurses in there. Patients are good. The appointment book looks pretty strong. Um you know, 16, 17 doctors, 10 rooms, you know, I think there's only one afternoon on Tuesday for two hours, it's free, you know, so they are fully booked and they'll say, you know, we're running a pretty good practice. They don't do care plans. Mm. You know, they um, they might do maybe, you know, one per doctor every so often. Um, and the, the gist of that is that we just don't have the time or the space. Mm. And I was like, right, we need to find that time and space. For me, it's, you know, it's comprehensive care for that patient, number one. Mm. Number two, I think that there's a huge amount to be made out of that. We are very underutilised in the nursing space. And that's something where the nurses are busy being busy, but we need them busy actually assisting the GPs. And Mm. so, you know, bringing the nurses on, I think they've got a three or four um, bed treatment room, you know, so there's a lot we can do with this space. And that's just something that just had not come to light. I think there's a few other things too, things that haven't been automated. We might have, you know, a a system in the background, a hot doc or an auto med, but yet we're still printing out the reports and calling the patients. Like, why are we doing that? (laughs) I can be utilising that nurse doing care plan right now and let's automate that through a system that means that they patients get three points of contact without the nurse picking up the phone at all. Yeah. You know, and these are just, again, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes we do have you know, practice owners that are bogged down in the day-to-day, seeing patients every day, day in, day out. The manager's, you know, busy doing staffing. Someone calls in sick, the phone rings, oh, we've got an accreditation coming up, we've got to do the doctor's pays or the staff pays. All of these things can be integrated to make it efficient and then we can concentrate on things like viability and profitability because Mm -hmm. let's be honest, we're a business as much as we are a benefit and a community source, you know. We are about comprehensive care but we're still a business. We still need to make a profit. Absolutely. And and I guess the last topic that I want to touch on as we're rounding out here is I'm I'm interested in your experience in working with practices that have multiple sites, whether or not greenfields or acquisition is the best way to go. So so maybe stepping back first, um, you know, what's your perspective on the benefits of um of multiple site ownership? Right. So I think um, the big mistake I see, first of all, with multiple practice ownership is that one, you know, I can have one model and run it exactly the same through all of them. And for me, it's, it's yes, having multiple sites, if they're close to each other, you can obviously share a staff and a doctor base throughout the sites. You can obviously have a wider spread and allied health can move between two sites. Absolutely. The profitability for that is a lot higher. The concern I have sometimes is that one cookie cutter model does not work in every location. Mm. Demographic, socioeconomic status um, changes, the needs of the community have changed. Um, So you need to be able to be pliable a little bit in that transition to having two. So whilst it is of a benefit, I think making sure we do have that difference in each and every site. So what is going to work, for instance, I've got this, a number of different clients that we have that have two practices, but one in particular tries to run them exactly the same. And then you've got, oh, this practice isn't really being as profitable as the other one, but it's because the need in that practice is different to the need in the other practice. You know, one practice does a lot of skincare, uh, skin checks, but the other practice doesn't. 
Why is that? Because there's a skin check place just down the road. You know, we're sharing the patient base. Yeah, and I often wonder if that is sometimes a missing link as well when um, when we have practice owners who are out shopping to acquire another practice, you know, really reflecting on who are we, where do we make money, how do we, and what's the fit, you know, because quite often that fit maybe isn't considered to the extent that it should be. And it sounds to me like perhaps this is something that can run through then and create issues ultimately if they're trying to run you know, two effectively different practices in the same way. Absolutely, yeah. And there'll be si- there'll be systems and policies and procedures that will run across both. Absolutely. So when you talk IT integration, integrating the same IT into both sites, absolutely. But we need to have a look at the service offering and the point of difference in both sites as being different. Mm. Um, I, I get medical center groups or aspiring med- medical center groups come across my desk all the time. We just want to pick up medical centers. So anyone that wants to to buy to sell, we want to buy. I'm like, okay, but what's your, what's your vision? What's your values? Yeah. Why do you want these practices? So let's look at that first to find out which ones will be the best suit for you because you can really do a lot of damage by coming in and flipping up a site to make it what you think the site needs to be based on your other sites, not looking at what's the goodness in it already. Oh, I totally agree. I love it. I just love that. And I think, you know, this absolutely needs to be part of the strategy of acquisition, but quite often is forgotten about. Um, and, and you know, maybe coming full circle, that comes back to this, this feasibility um, discussion that we had right in the beginning. It's, well, let's include in the feasibility discussion what it is that your practice right now looks like and how you're looking at a new practice to integrate into that, how that will how will that actually work together and how do you think you're going to leverage the value out of that? And is that realistic? <laughs> Absolutely. There is goodness in everything that you buy, okay? It's about finding the goodness, about leveraging off the goodness and then adding in the strategy and the skill set you have. So I think that, you know, you've got to treat each one individually. And a lot of people will say to me, do you think I should buy this based on this one I am? And I'll say, I can't give that answer. Yeah, I don't know. I'll give you all the facts and I'll give you the narrative behind the facts and then we can sit down and chat again and how it aligns with you and your vision because that's what the most important thing is. Yeah. And so it's not just about what is the black and white valuation that you've had done on this practice, right? There's just so many more dimensions. I think that's where we're going today, right? Very last question, Amy. What do you prefer, greenfields or acquisition? I'm a fan of greenfields. However, we are moving into the acquisition space, which is a little bit of a sneak peek for you. Um, but we are, yeah, we're, we're moving into a little bit of acquisition. I like a due diligence on an acquisition site because I like to really get into the nitty gritty and it's, yeah. you know, it's really exciting to see what's happening in there and how we can change it around. I love to see the results of an acquisition. They're fantastic. Um but you know what, I've, uh, in personally, in my own medical centre groups, I like a Greenfields too because I can jump in there and just offer that complete point of difference. Mm. Um, so they all have their pros and cons, to be honest. And really, I think it does depend on what's the risk level of the client as well. So some people come in and they say, I only want to do Greenfields or I only want to do acquisitions. My answer is, but why? Always I ask the question, why? because it should be based on more than just because I was told that that's what I need to do or mm. I was told that greenfields are more scarier than acquisition. Mm. There's a lot more you can pull out of an acquisition that can be detrimental to the business than what a greenfields would be just starting from scratch. Yeah. So, you know, you can 
pros and cons of both, but they all have their exciting elements. Personally, I like a greenfields, but I am moving into that. But we space. hear you're considering acquisitions. <laughs> we like it. Welcome to our side of the fence, Amy. I love it. <laughs> maybe we have to have a, uh, maybe this is like a showdown at some stage. We should come in with a, okay, let's all <laughs> Let's I talk know. About it from each of our perspectives. You'll be like, oh, I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Amy, it has been an absolute pleasure. Do you have any parting last thoughts for, for our audience today to take away from the many, many nuggets of gold you've shared? <laughs> I would just say um, there's so much in planning. So when you have that first thought, start then. Um, before you jump and make that big purchase or sign a lease, um, things will hold for you to make that due diligence. There's so much in it and you can find out so much more that will grow your business for many, many years, not just open it up, get it up and running for the first 12 months and then work out, okay, I've got a massive question mark, where do I go now? So yeah. plan, 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 plan. There are people out there, There's, and I'm a big fan of saying, put the tools in your toolbox, get your legal team, Get your accounting team, get your, you know, due diligence team around operations, um, get them all together and put them in your toolbox, carry them with you when you go and visit a site because you're going to need them. Um, so go ask for help and open the doors to everyone. Don't be scared to ask. Well, I, of course, I'm going to agree with you wholeheartedly there, Amy. <laughs> yes. Only just slightly biased, of course. Tools <laughs> <laughs> in your toolbox. I love it. Do you know what? We are so tweeting that. Guys, watch out. I love that. That's such a good saying. (laughs) Look, it's been an absolute pleasure, Amy. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. I've just really loved the conversation. And boy, what gold has been in there for um, for our listeners today. But um, thank you. A massive thank you. And we have to get you back again for that panel fight. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And you know what? I'm sure there's going to be more and more of these podcasts to come because there's, we've only just touched on a few areas. 100%. We've got a lot of things to dive into. <laughs> Watch this space and you'll be back. Well, that's it for our two-part series all about acquisitions for medical, dental and allied health practices. I hope you enjoyed that two-part series. And of course, if you would now like to go and talk to Amy Asagul about some plans that you might have in acquiring or starting up a medical, dental or allied health practice, then just head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com where you'll be able to find a link straight through to Amy and her team at Practice Partners. Or just head over to the show notes in your podcast player and you'll be able to link straight through from there. Of course, at our website, you'll also be able to find details of how to contact our legal eagles at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. So don't hesitate to book an appointment if you'd like to find out how we might be able to assist. And finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, then don't forget to pop over to your favorite podcast player and press subscribe. And maybe you might even consider leaving us a review. I'd be ever so grateful. Well, that's it. Thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by a commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time.
Prospect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.